Thanks for tuning in for Gospel Solutions for Families. This show is all about offering practical, relevant tips for raising children in faith. I'm your host, Amy Iverson. In this episode, we're talking about when and how to talk to your kids about sexual intimacy. Whether you consider discussing sex as a daunting obligation or a teaching opportunity, these conversations are critical to helping your child develop a healthy sexuality and loving relationship with their future spouse. And for the strength of youth, it says, physical intimacy between husband and wife is beautiful and sacred. It is ordained of God for the creation of children and for the expression of love between husband and wife. So how do we make sure our kids are getting that message? Joining me today is Brother M. Joseph Bruff, second counselor in the Young Men General Presidency. Brother Bruff has served as a mission president, young men president, and a bishop. He has his MBA from the University of Utah and is married with four kids. Also joining us is Elena Chatterley, a licensed clinical social worker with a master's degree from BYU. She works as a mental health therapist for teenagers and is married with three children. Thank you for being here today. Brother Bruff, let's start about talking about how important it is that parents are the ones who have these discussions with their kids. Well, first of all, as you know, the voice of the world wants to teach them these things. They can find out about uh, intimacy in, 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 in media from friends and all over the place. It's best to have those who can teach with the Spirit and who they trust. So if you start with them when they're young, um, parents are innately trusted. As they get older, not quite as much so, but still... It's important to have those conversations so that there's a reference of someone they know that cares and that's open with them. And the Holy Ghost is the key. None of us are going to be professionals at this, but parents are the best source to receive revelation for their children anyway. Well, Elena's kind of a professional in this (laughs) a little bit, but Elena, what are some things that parents can do to be prepared when our kids come to us to have these discussions? I think it starts from their earliest years, like even innocent little questions of a three- or four-year-old. Give age-appropriate tidbits of information. I think the old adage that you have, like, the talk when you reach some magical age, um, I don't know that that's very applicable anymore. I think that if we focus on one small piece of information, answering our children's questions as they come to us, um, a piece at a time helps us be ready to then put the puzzle pieces all together later rather than having it be one big, potentially really awkward conversation. Um, I just think as we teach our kids a little piece at a time all through the ages, listening to the Spirit, listening to when in the car on the way to soccer practice somebody has a question and it's a good time to put your 60-second plug for something and they don't have to be long. And I think we hear that a lot, that we have to start young. We have to start young. But what does that mean? How young do we start, Brother Buff? Well, first of all, um, intimacy is something that's part of life. It's natural. It's got to be something that is just part of the home. And at two and three and four-year-olds, they're seeing mom and dad hold hands. Mom and dad are affectionate. Mom and dad are kind to each other. And so there's a natural interest in saying, that looks good. That's what I would like. And so those are actually the first signs of teaching intimacy when they're that little. They're starting to see that this is good. Marriage is good. And uh, as you go along, I thought Elena's answer is very appropriate. Age appropriate. Questions will pop up. Curiosity does. You know, Mom, why is your tummy growing? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you have to find the right answers at those times. But being opportunistic is key. 
and making sure that you start uh, when it's appropriate. And you'll have children as they get into the teenage years. Some are much more advanced than the others, but the Spirit will guide. But starting earlier is better than later. Yeah, because you mentioned that in the interview, when 12-year-olds go in to see if they can do baptisms for the dead, this is a question. Absolutely. The bishop's going to ask them, do you live the law of chastity? And they're 12 years old. So there's an expectation. They already know what that means. And frequently, as a bishop, you'll have someone come in and they have no idea. And uh, that's too bad mm. that parents haven't taken the opportunity to at least start into what that means. So, Elena, how can we talk with our kids about sexual intimacy in a way that we don't convey that it's a bad thing? I think sometimes it's a mixed message. Uh, you know, it's it's good, but it's bad. So how do we make sure that we're clear on that? Absolutely. It's a mixed message because I think we as adults a lot of times aren't prepared to have that explained in our own mind. I think that this is a day of information. Our kids can handle a lot of information and they can get right on Google and look for information. So I think helping them understand the biological portions of, you know, the we are mammals, we procreate, we have children, like that's part of our species. And, but also talking about what a gift intimacy is. I love that what you read there from um, the For the Strength of Youth pamphlet talks right away about how it's a beautiful thing. I think we help our youth know that intimacy is a beautiful thing and it's a gift to us that helps tie a marriage together. When they understand the biological bonding that happens, like in the brain, when oxytocin is released and couples turn toward each other, it's the same bonding chemical that's there when a mother has a new infant that bonds a mother to that new child. There are biological forces at play that I think we can help our youth understand that help them know why it's important to t- treat them carefully and be safe with them and why Heavenly Father's given us this law of chastity for happiness and protection. More than just a test of obedience that you need to answer correctly at the bishop's interview, but to really actually see the reasons that it's there to bless us. And Brother Ruff, you had talked about, you know, we as parents need to make it fun, too, to talk about and not a very, always a heavy, heavy, serious conversation. Well, exactly. I'm going to read a quote on that, first of all, here from Elder Nelson. It's, he's speaking on this topic, said, As your children share with you what's going on, you will have to listen very carefully and without being judgmental in order to understand what they are thinking and experiencing. You need to have frequent open discussions during which you teach your daughters and sons the truth about these issues. So it it needs to be something that it becomes commonplace. It's just normal. Uh, My wife was really good with this. Um, My son, we have one son and three daughters. And so he'd get to the point where, Mom, quit asking me if I've seen pornography. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I'm going to ask you every week because I just want to talk about it when it happens. And it was just open around our house to where it was a common issue, a common topic, um, so that when it was time to be serious and talk about it, I remember very much the first time I sat down with my son and said, well, we're now going to talk about masturbation. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, is this one serious or or what? (laughs) Um, But if you make it to where it's... uh, it's a common and frequent enough topic, and, and have some fun with it. And, you know? and your wife, you said, also talked with your daughters about things Absolutely. very openly and often. I, I love what Elena was teaching in her blog when she talks about enjoy at the little issues, the little things that happen as you come along. My wife loved to know when someone held their hand or didn't. Mm-hmm. She said, did he hold your hand? Did you want him to? And, and those are the little signs of intimacy that, that are, can be appropriate and in the process of dating and coming uh, to get to know one another, that you need to make it fun. And, and if, if, you're, if you look down on that or you're suspicious of them, instead of having a little bit of joy with them when those things happen, 
it inhibits that free talk when maybe it's serious later on. And I know a lot of parents get worried, and I've heard this, that, but if I talk to them about it, they're going to be more interested in it. But that really isn't the case. No, I absolutely disagree. Because like I said, information age, it's out there. They're curious. They're, they hear people talking. My daughter was in second grade when we had the full birds and the bees talk because she was hearing things at school and on the playground that were just not appropriate. That's really young. She was, yeah. I think she was not even eight yet. And so... Every kid's going to be different. Yeah. And you never know what, what the conversations they're having with their friends or what they might be exposed to. You have to be fluid, I guess, as a parent. So, Elena, for parents who may feel like they didn't do it right and they messed up before, they didn't talk to their kids enough, and now their children are older, I mean, how sometimes parents don't even know where to start. Where can we start? Absolutely. It's overwhelming. Um, I have a couple pieces of advice. One, you could talk to friends of yours, siblings of yours. What have they done with their children? Um, how did those conversations go? You know, families who are like yours that share similar values or maybe their kids are better and or have personalities similar to yours. You could pick the brains of people around you that you love and trust. They may also have books to recommend. And I would recommend asking even, hey, did any of you have any books you know, picture books. There are some, you know, like uh, pornography books for young children that also teach about what happens in the brain with intimacy. I think those sorts of resources might be a good place to start also, um, especially if you aren't sure where to start yourself and pictures help yeah. <laughs> for turning pages. <laughs> so I think there are a wealth of resources out there that you, I don't have any that I'll name right now. We don't have to can, do it alone. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to do it alone. Great. Brother Bruff, do you know of any good resources for us? In addition to that, the yeah. church has made an effort to help us already. On LDS.org, if you go to the LDS Media Library and type in Family Conversations, I think there's 18 videos that show two professionals, very much like Elena, that are addressing how uh, you talk about these things with your children. And um, I, I looked at them before I, I sat down today. Uh, to feel where they were going and to listen to their teaching. Very well done. Another good resource. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that lesson. Um, Elena, you gave this lesson to the youth in your ward recently about the law of chastity, and it all revolved around food, which I think we can all relate <laughs> well, to. I have a major sweet tooth, so that was my natural like parallel. And it was a good analogy. Um, you started by handing out pineapple to mm -hmm. all the kids. Uh, tell us what that was about. Okay, so when you first eat a piece of pineapple and you're hungry and it's the third hour of church and it's really exciting <laughs> to have, um, it's very sweet. And at the same time, I told a story about the first time I remember laying eyes on who's now my husband and how exciting that was. And I watched him walk by <laughs> out my window, stalker-like, you know, they all laugh at that. These are the simple joys we and were talking about. And the simple about. joys mm -hmm. that are there when it's just so exciting in the beginning, this, these small, innocent pleasures. Um, but then we moved on to grapes, and once you've had really sweet grapes, that pineapple just wasn't quite as sweet anymore. And that's just what happens is how your body works, taste buds and all that. And we moved on down the progression of sweetness. At the same time, talking about as physical things move on and you get further and further, you lose some of that innocent, fun sweetness. And eventually you get to a point that once you've had, say, chocolate cake, yeah, deep, dark chocolate cake, even the grapes and all that other stuff doesn't, isn't very <laughs> sweet anymore. It's not interesting. 
And you gave them the option at the end, chocolate cake, and then you also had some vegetables. Well, yeah, so then we brought in the food guide pyramid, which is, <laughs> you know, they learn my plate nowadays, I think. But in the food guide pyramid, those bottom levels, you put in a lot of just the staples, the good day-to-day, everyday things that are part of a healthy relationship, too. When you're dating and getting to know somebody, either through your teen years where you're just learning about what works with you and people you like and don't, and also when you're building a relationship with a person that will one day be your forever mate, you need to put in time doing the sort of boring things, you know, <laughs> breads and rice and all those good things. Because if you eat all your sweets at the top, the good vegetables and healthy things aren't as exciting. Same thing. If you spend all your time kissing and cuddling, then weeding the garden or going on a family road trip together is just not as fun. And I think that plays into what you were saying, Brother Bruff, about having your children seeing you as a couple, as a married couple, doing those things that may seem boring, but are the fundamentals of a good marriage. Absolutely. You know, as she was in there speaking, I was thinking that uh, in scripturally, we don't find a whole lot about sexuality, but we do. Um, and, and one of my favorite parts is in the Old Testament is it's Adam knew Eve and she conceived. And I love the word new, that it's part of a process of getting to know someone, spend time getting that foundation that you're speaking about. True intimacy at its best is with someone you really know. And how can you do that without having gone on that walk in the park, climb that mountain together, um, spend a lot of time talking? Uh, those are so important to the emotional aspect of having healthy sexuality that, um, yeah, that they're missing out if they don't really get to know someone. I, I, we always joked around our house, if you don't get really nervous when you're holding her hand the first time, you don't like her enough yet. <laughs> if it's not making you nervous, take a little more time. Um, because it should be exciting and, and, and nervous because they really want it to be right and they'll get to know someone. So, um, Those absolutely. basics. And, and so this talk or this lesson that Elena gave, you felt was good for your youth. And I think as parents, we have to be very cognizant and prayerful about how we teach our children, how we teach our classes. It's going to be different for everyone. But how important is it, Brother Bruff, that we are prayerful about this when we are going to speak to our kids about it? Well, the scriptures are full of times of, of teaching that indicate that you don't teach unless the Spirit's with you. Uh, if you're nervous, that's okay. The Spirit can be with you when you're nervous. You can be scared, the Spirit can be with you. If you're angry, it can't. And so being prayerful and preparing for the right time and being opportunistic, knowing what your feelings are um, at the moment that you go to speak is key. But, you know, just like we pray for missionary opportunities, why not pray for opportunities and say, I, I have this 17-year-old, maybe I haven't spoke to him yet like I should. Yeah. But why not pray and say, Heavenly Father, open the door. Um, I need to speak to him, and I don't know how. And, and then uh, Heavenly Father will always open the door. You might find that you're sitting next to that 17-year-old the next day during a, a commercial on the television, and you say, ooh, that makes me uncomfortable. How does it make you feel? And just have something that, that opens up and gives you the opportunity to to address those issues. But the Holy Ghost is key. And if you pray, Heavenly Father will give you the chance. Elena, I know that your lesson was about trying to help the youth understand why. Because we talk about the law of chastity, but a lot of times maybe we don't follow up with the why. And there are, there are some serious spiritual and emotional damage that can take place if kids don't follow this law. Talk about that. Well, our bodies are tied to our soul, like to our spirits. I think we're taught that in many places in the gospel. That's part of, of 
you know, our foundation. And so if our youth understand that and can also understand biologically what's happening body and chemical wise with your heart getting involved and your emotions getting tied to another person, that's really, if we can emphasize that that's a gift given to us to use at the right time to cement a marriage together, to cement and, and cause bonding in the right time in the right place, it's a great thing. But imagine the heartache and the heartbreak that comes when somebody breaks up with you or somebody doesn't call back or kisses your best friend or, you know, all these things happening when you've really shared a piece of your soul and a piece of your intimacy um, with somebody when it's not the right time and the right place. And this is common with our kids. I actually taught this lesson just last night to another group of young women who um, had different needs than my ward. And I felt very strong at that time being prayerful about it to emphasize the fact that if you've gone beyond these bounds, if you're past this and you think the law of chastity doesn't apply to you anymore because it's too late, not so. And, you know, from this moment on, all future relationships, all future intimacies, you get to be the gatekeeper of that. And you get to have the Holy Ghost and the Spirit with you as you're trying to make good decisions for forming your own healthy attachments and being able to keep the Spirit with you because you haven't wounded your soul. Yes, that's the part I was looking for because I think that we can't stress enough to our kids that when we make bad decisions in this area, the Spirit really can leave us. Brother Bruff? You know, as she was speaking here, I think something that parents need to teach also, and us as leaders in the church too, is repentance is a good thing. Uh, our youth make mistakes. We make mistakes. Without repentance, none of us return to our Heavenly Father. And so as you're teaching this topic, uh, repentance has got to be something that's, that's quick on your tongue and saying these things can be made right. There is no such thing as a soiled cloth that can never be clean again. That's just not true. And so um, as you're teaching... And, and as a parent, sometimes something's going to happen, and a child's going to come along and make a mistake. And the last thing you can do is act devastated and destroyed. You've got to be full of faith and saying this can be fixed, and I'm even willing to help you. Um, because, yeah, there's some that think, I, I, to her point, I can't be the gatekeeper in the future. I'm soiled. Mm. I'm, I can't be clean. They can make a decision to change. And, and can become clean again. I love in the scriptures, you got Coriantumr, who we know what his sin was. I mean, one of the sons of Alma, he obviously goes to the border of the Lamanites with the famous harlot, and everybody knows what he's done wrong. And his father obviously corrects him fairly harshly in the scriptures and, and beautiful scriptures for us to use. But I love it later when Captain Moroni is being described by Mormon as one of the greatest of all time. And he says it wasn't only him, but it was also Alma and his sons and I started thinking, Coriantumr must have really repented to have been included in that group. And so we've got to look at it and, and give hope when we're teaching that issue as well. It's key to be speaking about repentance as a good thing. Mm -hmm. And Elena, I know that you work with a lot of teens, and <clears throat> I can't help but think of parents who might be out there and say, I think my kid might be struggling with this, but they won't open up no matter what you do, how can, we, how can we encourage that if maybe we weren't so great at doing it when they were young and now they are in the thick of it? How can we encourage them to talk to us? One thing that comes to mind, and, and, and I feel the need to throw out that talking is best and first, but there are other options. Like do you think of stories of parents writing letters to their children or exchanging notes back and forth like that? You know, if prayerfully you feel like that's a good way to broach this topic with your children at any age, that might be the right way. Some are super shy and would rather die than talk about a topic <laughs> like this. But through writing might write you back questions or would at least know that you're opening the gate and the door for when they're ready to come and talk to you. Well, just in researching this, I sent my kid, my teenagers a text last night 
tonight about some things. I didn't get a response yet, but thank you. I'm glad to know that maybe at least I opened the door. And I know that you said uh, there have been moments in your family where you talk to your children and they didn't even know what to ask. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and, and persistence and, and staying with it and, and trying different things is absolutely key. Uh, sometimes that, that gets to points and, and, and even as parents, what do you ask? You have the feeling, and I think it's okay to say, guess what? I have one son. Son, I'm the, this is a first-time father with you and everything you ever do, because I'm only having one. So <laughs> everything I'm doing, it's the first time. And let them know, I'm going to make mistakes. And, and tell them it makes you nervous. What's wrong with that? Say, hey, I'm nervous. I want to talk about this. Can we? And they, if they say no, that's fine, too. And it might be a one-way conversation the first time. You're the only one talking. Um, and you just share your hearts and your concerns. If you, the most important, they need to know you love them anyway to be able to address these issues. So if you're sharing your thoughts with them, um, sooner or later, sooner or later, they're going to respond. Well, I'd like to add to that. They, I'm glad you hit on that. They may not talk back. And nobody likes being told things that they maybe already know or they think are uncomfortable. But you as a parent could say, could ask permission, can I talk to you or can I share this? And just then share your heart. You know, if if they have opened the door enough for you to at least be willing to share, even if they don't ask back, because some are awkward and they may not know what to ask. But if you're at least talking and sharing what you're thinking and what you're worried about and that you don't know everything, that is another way to open the door. Show our own humility. I think it's interesting that both of you um, brought up this point that don't be so afraid that your kids might mess up. You mentioned that earlier, and I know you've said that to me too, that um, when we talk about talking about sexual intimacy in a positive way, that that has to be one of the main things parents do is don't be so afraid that your kid will mess up. Likely they will, right? Yeah, which is a scary thing to think about because Mm -hmm. we spend, and maybe this is just uh, telling my own experience, but, you know, I spent the first 30 years of my life thinking that my goal was to just raise a good family where nobody ever messed up and they all did the right things and stayed right on track. And if I could get there, then I had succeeded as a person Mm -hmm. and a parent. But if you really think about Jesus's plan and Satan's plan, it was not Jesus's plan that was going to make everybody get things right and do it right the first time. I know. It'd be so much easier sometimes. It would be so much easier. <laughs> yeah, but I really think that our role as parents is to teach and to educate and to invite the Spirit and help them have those internal desires, which come through spiritual discussions and spiritual invitations. They don't come through fear and rigid standards and this way or else. And that's another point I think is important is, how do we stay away from those fear tactics and the shame tactics that I think a lot of us resort to because we're, we're freaking out sometimes when we hear things. We don't know the answer. Yeah. You know, um, every child's going to be different. And we can't sit here and, and give one philosophy that's going to work for all. Right. As I mentioned to you earlier, my youngest daughter, an absolute angel. I, 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 we never deserved her. Matter of fact, maybe we did because we're not very good parents. So Heavenly Father decided to send us one of the easiest children. Make in the it world. easy. <laughs> but this one, honestly, all you had to do is say, "Do you love Heavenly Father?" You know, then you should do it. And she so loves her Heavenly Father that it didn't matter what it was. Obedience for her was good enough, and it was based not on a test, not on that I'm going to be punished if I'm not. But I do love Heavenly Father. I'm going to keep His commandments. And so with her, it's a totally different process than it is the one that you know is, is, is adventuring in, in areas that are, are unsafe and, 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 and testing water. But um, you do still have to address both of them. 
you know, the, the really strong one, if we never talk to her about what intimacy should be in marriage, maybe she gets to marriage and she has no idea what it's about, and it makes her nervous. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and so it's as important with that child as is the one that maybe is is testing the water that you be speaking about these topics. And when maybe the day finally comes when that child does come to us and has made a mistake, how do how do we react? What's the best way? How can I be the best parent in that situation? Ask a lot of questions. Lots and lots of questions. You can't go wrong if while you're getting your own feet under you and inside freaking out, thinking, what am, oh my gosh, how am I going to react? If you're asking questions like, how do you feel about that? How would you like to be different? What can I do to help? What would you like in your future? Where do you want to be three years from now? You know, if they're not committed maybe to changing lifestyle, mm-hmm. where do you where do you want to be? And then how can I help? Just all those questions help open up the conversation and help calm your heart and keep you from freaking out. I like that. Ask questions instead of trying to come up with an answer quickly. One thing I'd like to add to that too, thank them. Yes. The first thing should be, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. I really, really appreciate that. And and what you know, most of the bishops are going to respond the very same way. Mm. The first time they walk in, the first thing they say is, thank you. That's hard to share. So um, I like the idea of lots of questions. But they got to know that to you, it's appreciated that they're, they're coming forward and they're being honest. Um, most of the time when they come forward and they're being honest, it is because they want to change. It's rarely that they still want to hide it from you. They just brought it up. Right. So as a parent, you should actually think that's a great moment. Look what they just did. They are searching and they came to me. So it is definitely not the time to be angry in any way or show that it hurts you. Um, it does. It's going to hurt every parent. Let's be honest. We want the best for our children. But at that moment, it's all got to be about thank you. Now, where do we go? What do you want to do? Well, can I add to that? In addition to thanking them, showing forth love. Showing forth affection, especially like dads to daughters or mothers to sons, that it hasn't crossed like you're an untouchable, you're unclean, <laughs> any of that. Right. You know, reaching out, embracing, being there for them, and showing that that doesn't diminish their worth because it doesn't in their heavenly Father's eyes. And parents can model that when they're already feeling so guilty. Yes, if they came to you, what a great big step. Um, I always have to think of the parents who may be out there thinking. I have failed. I have failed at this. I haven't had the discussions. Um, it's too late. I've ruined my children. Let's start with you, Elena. What What is the hopeful message you have for these parents? I don't think it's ever too late. You think about adult relationships we have with our own parents and how much joy we can find in those and communication and talking, getting to know them. Um, I think it's never too late to try to start these conversations. And maybe with humility, maybe you say, hey, you're getting married next month, and I know we've never had the talk, but now's the time. What, what do you want to know? And they may not want to know anything, and you apologize and say, well, I've been, you know, I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. here for you in the future. And we just own where we're at and approach them with an open heart and start there. Okay. Brother Bruff, how, how do we approach this if we feel we haven't been stellar in this so far? Well, I'm going to share a little story first, and then I'll answer that. Uh, one time I was watching my father— um, who was Elder, Elder Monty J. Bruff, uh, correcting my youngest sister. And I thought he was being way too soft on her, mm-hmm. way too kind. Okay, I'm the oldest. And I said to my father, I said, if that was me, you would have clobbered me. And he said, well, what I did on you didn't turn out so well, so I'm trying something new. <laughs> and uh, as parents, we've got to learn to try things new as we go along. Uh, the first thing that I look at is say, 
Uh, as a mission president, missionaries frequently are searching for the same thing. They remind me of parents, am I a good missionary? And I think Preach My Gospel has the best answer to this. So I'm going to read it, but I want to change where it says missionary to parent, okay. or it says investigator to children, okay? Your success as a parent is measured primarily by your commitment to teach your children and to help them become faithful members of the church who enjoy the presence of the Holy Ghost. So primarily measured by commitment. Now I'm going to keep reading. Avoid comparing yourself to other parents and measuring the outward results of your efforts against theirs. Remember that your children have agency to choose whether to accept your message. Your responsibility is to teach clearly and powerfully so they can make a correct choice. Some of your children may not accept your message, even when they have received a spiritual witness of its truth. You will be saddened because you love them and desire their salvation. You should not, however, become discouraged. Uh, Discouragement will weaken your faith. If you lower your expectations, your effectiveness will decrease. Your desire will weaken, and you will have a greater difficulty following the Spirit. So what i got to say to parents, what I'd say to a missionary who's in his last month, how can I know that I've been a great missionary? It's start with that commitment today, that commitment to do everything you can to lead those children along. It's fine if it's the week before they get married and say, hey, you know, sorry, I didn't do so well. I'm starting today. Heavenly Father measures you at the end of your life at what you've become, not in the middle. And I love that you brought up to me about effort, that we are measured by our effort. So maybe our child isn't making the choices we wish they were, but if we have put forth that effort with the Spirit, that's, that's what we need to worry about. Absolutely. And, and that's hard for a mother to hear. Because she wants her measurement to be results. Mm -hmm. But Heavenly Father looks on her effort. Children have free agency. They do. We would love to have Satan's plans at times as parents and take it away from them. But we cannot. So to those parents, I'd say keep on trying. Heavenly Father recognizes what you're doing. And you never know when that one child is going to come back. It's got to keep your faith. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alina. We've been talking with Brother M. Joseph Bruff, second counselor in the Young Men General Presidency, and Elena Chatterley, a licensed clinical social worker, about talking to your kids about sexual intimacy. Our thanks to Brother Bruff and Elena for joining us today. And thank you all for tuning in. We have links to additional helpful resources on this chapter on churchofjesuschrist.org forward slash inspiration. Gospel Solutions for Families. Subscribe to the podcast on churchofjesuschrist.org forward slash inspiration or the Latter-day Saints channel on iTunes.